Well, Father Jonathan, here I am on location. That's right. You are in Texas, the great state of. That's right. That's right. So I am currently in my childhood home, actually, <laughs> sitting on the floor of my childhood bedroom. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I uh, I got permission to spend a week uh, with my folks, uh, and so I've been here for the week, and it's been kind of a nice respite from the parish life, um, and also, tragically, for our purposes here, also a respite from preaching at a Sunday Mass. So I uh, kind of got nothing. Tables have <laughs> yeah, how the turntables. Turn. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing for you today. Yeah, and you know, I went to a, a Byzantine liturgy today, so it was a completely different lectionary. <laughs> so the preaching was not really applicable to what to what our our one listener had heard this week. So yeah, there yeah. you have it. So maybe before we jump into well, what we have already you know anticipated from last week, the readings for Christ the King. Before jumping into that, I would I would just say that. Luckily, the stuff that was slated for the readings for today that we didn't preach on, uh, it's exactly what like Christ the King stuff is bringing in anyway. It's all this apocalyptic stuff. And, yeah. you know, we kind of touched on it last week that everything is turning in that direction, you know, because of Advent. So some of those same things may may show up in my homily for Christ the King. Yeah, you know, and this is one of the things that Bishop Barron will, will go on about quite often, <laughs> speaking about Revelation. Go, go on about. <laughs> oh, he does. He does. He does. He says yeah. this often. You know, and I and I actually really like it, and and it's something that we don't think about very often. You know, the, the word revelation means yeah. to pull back the veil, yeah, right. And so, so when we see this apocalyptic literature, it's not like oh, death and doom and you know, end of the world stuff. We're 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 pulling back the veil to see what's to see the true reality in a sense. Like right. here's what right. is actually going on, and we're getting a glimpse of it, right? And so we're we're getting that glimpse before as we prepare for uh, the birth of Jesus um, as a human being. Yeah. Oh, and, totally. And so it really does make sense, right? And I think that's a beautiful way of, and I mean, even this week we've got a reading from Revelation. Like this is, this is, a, this is going to continue to be a, an important theme as we move yeah. forward. Yeah. Oh, totally. Hey, so just jump, let's just jump right in then. And I just want to say a couple of things about these readings for the Solemnity of Christ the King. Um, so right off the bat, I'll just put this on the table. This will be a clear example of a Sunday where it's not entirely clear if you should re- if you should preach the readings or preach the feast. <laughs> Ooh, um, yeah. Because I've had many, many homilies that I've listened to, um, or should, dare I say suffered uh, through, which were about why Jesus is a king and not a president. You know, why... Yeah. You know, Jesus, King of the Universe, and not just of our country. And you know what? Like, what does this title mean? You know, um, as opposed yeah. to like getting into the nitty gritty of the readings themselves. And I'm actually not sure. I would be interested if you could uh, corroborate this. If the same readings are given every year, or if it's a different cycle. Oh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, my guess is that they're different every set? year. I think I I would I would assume that they that they are. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of an interesting question just to to see how they get at it because this year we have we have uh, the gospel with Jesus and Pilate where the the question of his mm-hmm. kingship is very mm-hmm. much on display, um, but that's not where I wanted to go right off the bat. Right off the bat, if I want to get into these readings, I would say that the one thread actually that goes through them to kind of vindicate your whole belief about Advent is that the word coming or to come is in every single one of the readings. Uh-huh. Um, and so, like, in the very first one is that one like a son of man is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the second reading, behold, he is coming amid the clouds. 
And then even in the Alleluia verse, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then I came into the world to testify to the truth. So the that movement of coming into the world or coming from on high, like that's Advent language, you know? Yeah. Um, o come, O come, Emmanuel. So like mm-hmm. your, your whole thing about anticipating Advent is very clear here. Like we're talking already about the coming of the Lord. Yeah, you know, I do, I do really love that. But the thing that really strikes me uh, for this set of readings, and I'm staring at it right now from, from the second reading, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Like, I mean, to your point, like your question, rather, um, like, what are we actually talking about here? Who is this king of the universe? It's not just some great, you know, monarch that's going to come and lead people to, this is what the, what the ancient Hebrew people thought, right? That he was going to be this great king that would come and, you know, the new David, et cetera, et cetera. And instead, he's not just that. I mean, he is that. Okay. Okay. He's the beginning though. He's the beginning and the end, the one who was and who is to come. Like there, I mean, for me, at least this is the meditation uh, of the temporal king for the spiritual exercises, right? Like we, we have this great image of this perfect king, you know, the King Arthur, the, you know, whatever people, Aragorn, the, the, the image that anybody has in their mind of what a perfect king would be. And Jesus takes it up a level, right? He's, he's not just somebody that gives, you know, whatever, but he's somebody that gives his own life. Right, he's the yeah. king that doesn't just give one thing protection or whatever. He's the king that gives everything. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. hold anything back. Right, and I think that's what this like th- this sort of all encompassing language that we use, king of the universe, for me at least, has really been hitting home recently. Like it's not just about like the universality isn't just this cosmic language, right? It's this it's this all encompassing way of which that sacrifice truly touched reality. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I may be going on and on and on, but like, no, am yeah. I making hey. any sense there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how about this? How about this? Let me help you out a little bit. Um, so the second reading really puts into relief, uh, the sovereignty of God in his transcendence, like the sovereignty of Christ and that he transcends even time, that he's the beginning and the end. Um, so like that's one facet of his kingship is that he transcends everything and in, in so doing then is permeates everything, you know, he's the beginning, mm-hmm. the end and everything in between. Um, but that's one dimension of his kingship. And so maybe each of the readings is giving us a different like, Ooh, yeah. facet of his kingship to put into relief. So like he transcends time and permeates all of time, the beginning and the end. But then you have like in the first reading, like his sovereignty, not just in time, but in space, that all peoples and nations will serve him. Mm-hmm. So like you have like all of space in the first reading, perhaps, and then all of time in the second reading with the beginning and the end. It's like that's two different facets of his sovereignty, mm-hmm. you know, his lordship and kingship. And then in the gospel, you know, what do you have on display? You know, my kingdom does not belong to this world. Um, I came to testify to the truth. So like he's a king who speaks the truth, you know, this, and the truth will set you free. So he's a king that fights on our behalf for our liberation through the truth. You know, I don't know. It's like those are different facets of his kingship that you could sort of put into relief. Yeah, no, I really like that. And uh, and I love this vision from Daniel. So this image of when he re- when he reached the ancient one and was presented before him. It's like, what, what do we make of that? Jesus 
being, you know, bowing down before the father before he was even born. Hmm. Like, man, this is just, yeah, this kind of blows my mind just thinking about all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, th- so, but I think to your point though, like this is, you know, we should be thinking of this in terms of general understanding of who God is to more specific, a personal understanding to who Jesus is, who God is in the person of Jesus from our right. gospel. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think if we focus going back to our original proposition, if we focus on the readings themselves, I think we'll get into we can get into conversations on the nuances of what his sovereignty looks like in Daniel, you know, what his transcendence looks like in uh, the book of Revelation. And then, you know, the sort of paradox of his kingship in front of Pilate, you know, and so we can get in the readings there. And I think that's good. But I feel like these like we kind of started with this, the this feast, I think, will naturally always like devolve into or lead down a path of talking just about the title of the feast. So that's what I, yeah. Yeah. So that was my next question. Like, does this actually help us um, with that problem of preaching the feast? Right. Like we, I mean, can we separate ourselves from this language of kingship of monarchy of, you know, presidency of, you know, parties and political, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, actually, it seems like what? Jesus yeah. wants to, but we, I mean, can we? You know, here's actually a good question, which I would be interested actually going back and hearing our episode from last year, because I may have had the same question of what's the historical reason for this feast? Mm. Um, because, like, for example, there are some feasts like Joseph the Worker, you know, in yeah. May, which is on May the 1st, which had a communist history you know had a like the Hmm, reason it existed was to respond to communism and i think that this feast also has a similar kind of history Uh where it was actually probably like an anti-communist thing perhaps anti-monarchy maybe because it's not just about it's not just about this person that we've decided it's it's something deeper something grand more grand than any mere mortal right it's jesus who is the king right right yeah. So, okay. So are you sitting at a computer? Could you look that up really quick? <laughs> I, uh, I could. Because, I, well, while you do that, I want to just say one thing that also may be helpful to throw in the mix, um, which is the contrast in John. And this might be a way to actually, like, touch earth with these readings is to try and do what John is doing, which is, I think, kind of going to what your point is, is that John is contrasting the kingship of Pilate and the kingship of Christ. That yeah. Pilate isn't a king. You know, he's just a governor. But he represents Caesar. And as Caesar, uh, he's the temporal authority and power who has power to lay down, to put down Jesus to death. But Jesus' sovereignty and kingship is in his weakness, Mm. um, you Mm -hmm. know. And so in his weakness and his allowing himself to die, there is his strength. Um, Like, I think that's part of what John is doing, you know, is sort of thwarting the Caesar authority and image of kingship. Um, but I don't really know what to do with that in the end. Like, that's nice, um, but it just kind of lays flat for me. Yeah, I don't know if there's, like, if that has the punch of, of what the gospel needs needs from us, to give us, to to provide for us. Um, yeah. So I'm on, I'm okay, full transparency here, I'm on Wikipedia. Um, yeah. It says, uh, the Feast of Christ the King was instituted in 1925 by Pope Pius XI. Super recent. Uh, in 1970, it was moved to the final Sunday of Ordinary Time. So incredibly recent. Not yeah. even, you know, this is post-monarchy for sure. So yeah. I wonder if it's a if it's a return, perhaps. 
Was there any reason given to why it was instituted in the 1920s uh, at all? I didn't read that far. Um, yeah. No, it's just kind of curious to think about, you know, that it's a very recent phenomenon to put this in the calendar. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're talking we're talking wartime, right? Like, right. is there some sense of the world being at war? Do we need yeah. a yeah. king, a, Ooh, yeah. uh, uh, somebody to come in and say, look, I mean, this is, bro, bro, this is the exile. This is the people in chaos and desiring uh, order. Right. Like, do right. we trust that the Lord will come and bring order out of the chaos of war? See, and that, yeah, there's the homily for me, you know, like Jesus's kingship is put into contrast, not of our like different titles for presidents or whatever, but in direct contrast to the anarchy and chaos mm. that, that we naturally devolve into, you know, and all of our political institutions fail to bring about peace. Yeah. But Jesus is the prince of peace, you know? <laughs> And I don't know. I just find that really kind of a striking thing that the historical reason that this came out, I'm not clear on yet, but this feast is in the midst of that, you know, Mm -hmm. wartime that you were saying, like, that's a really important detail that could be a really good homily, you know, is that like, we are in need of a king who can truly bring peace. And that will not happen unless we are under Christ. Like, he's the only one that can bring peace to the world. I mean, for me, like, that's that's the the punctuation mark that I would say is important. Is that like the sovereignty of Christ is not just this abstract idea. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Good, good. But I, I really like there's there's a bite to it. There's a punch to it. There's a punchiness to it. If we put Jesus's kingship in direct contrast to the anarchy that comes by giving human beings authority over us, you know, like we think we think that we will get peace that way. But truthfully, the only peace that will come is when Jesus is is king, when he reigns, you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's similar to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago with the commandments, right? Like, we, we tend to only look at this legal document and say, well, this is what we can do and this, this is what we can't. But that's not what Jesus says, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And then all of these other things will make sense. And so I think this could be perhaps a, a similar an analogous um, uh, understanding to how we understand who our leaders are. Like, is yeah. it the nation? Is it the president? Is it X, Y, or Z? Or is it Jesus Christ right. who has right. given himself for us? Right. Like, right. that's a big difference. <laughs> you know, and we see, we see it day and day out, day in and day out, when when we fail to look to Jesus first and we see, you know, we see our, our political leaders taking up that role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, maybe like, um, like in, in a homily to be a little bit controversial and say, like, is there a way that we can really start to believe that we are in the world, you know, that we're under authority of men, but we're not of it. Like we're not of this world Ooh. that we serve a higher king. And if so yeah. If we just if we just pay lip service to that <laughs> and just keep saying that like, hey, yeah, you know, Jesus is my king, but it's like, no, you gotta realize like nobody has authority over me that isn't given to them by Christ. Yeah. You know? I mean, this is the huge question, right? Like this was the problem that people had back in the day with with uh John F. Kennedy, 
right? Like, was he going to be the American president or is he going to be the Pope's president? Yeah. Like, people were freaking out. Uh, and I, I think you're totally onto something there. And I wonder if that is something that obviously we should be preaching that from the pulpit, right? That Christ is the king. It's yeah. not It's not Biden. It's not Trump. It's not any of these other crazy people. Yeah. Uh, it's Christ the king. Right. But that freaks us out. Mm-hmm. And it should, right? Like, it should, because Jesus is calling us to something greater than any secular leader could. Right, right. But how do you, yeah. but how, so, I mean, like, okay, maybe this is our opportunity to, to step back a little bit. Like, but how do you preach that mm-hmm. on a typical, sun, I mean, this isn't a typical Sunday, on this great feast before Advent. Like, but just how do you preach that at, a, at, right. your, at your average parish? Yeah. You know, I think you can give, kind of like you just did, you know, very clear examples of how, even in the best of cases, uh, human leadership devolves into chaos and Mm. anarchy. Mm. That like, okay, let's take the best possible case scenario. You know, let's talk about, you know, Charlemagne, or (laughs) let's talk about Imperial Rome, where it's like the Pax Romana was only peace for the Roman citizen. Everyone else was a slave, you know? Right, Um, right. And the Pax Romana stretched the known world, but ultimately, like, fell into ruin. You Mm -hmm. know, it didn't last from Alpha to Omega. It didn't even last until the end of the Empire. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, and so, like, the Alpha, the Omega, the all nations shall, uh, shall glorify him. Like, that permeation of peace from the beginning to the end of time, from all tongues and all nations, that can only come from Christ. And so like one way to preach that is to be very provocative and just start naming all the different leaders that we've had that have promised mm-hmm. us peace mm-hmm. and have given us nothing in the mm-hmm. end. Oof. You know? That's like hard if you though. live if you live long enough you'll see that nobody can really follow through. When you live long enough you see that we've become the uh the villains, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know if that's too provocative because you could start saying things like it's, Biden and Trump, you know, but. Yeah, that's provocative for sure. I mean, but, but it, I mean, in a sense, that's what we need, though, right? But we're just so afraid to do it. I mean, maybe I'm being right. too honest here. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I think it's exactly without losing the spiritual point. I think it's the it's kind of the it's the flesh of this kind of uh, feast is that there's really like a fork in the road. It's like, is your yeah. life aimed to the praise, reverence, and service of God and his majesty as sovereign king? Or are you just sort of paying lip service to him as your king and serving another master? Well, and the funny thing is, that's literally the question that comes up time and time again in the Old Testament, for sure. Jesus does it as well. Like, here's the line in the sand. You need to choose. Do you choose death or do you choose life? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And so you know, so maybe maybe this is our opportunity. Maybe this is our time when when the Lord is asking us that same question that he's asked time and time again. Who do you choose? Can you serve two masters, God yeah. or Mammon, you know? It's heavy, bro. Yeah. No, but I think it's good. It's a good way to begin Advent, I would say. You could exhort people then to spend four weeks in Advent reflecting yeah. on that reality yeah. of like Sure. Who do I serve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to meditate upon who this Jesus is. Right? Who yeah. is this God becoming becoming man? Yeah. Like, there's so much there. Yeah. Read yeah. read Pope Benedict. <laughs> yeah. Is that your parting thought? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> cool, buddy. All right, man. 
Till our regularly scheduled location and time next week. I'll see you then. All right, pal. Peace.